right, our small groups are all in full swing now. So if you want to be a part of one, just check our website and you can sign up there. It just barely started, so it's not too late. So glad we can be together online and in this room. Sometimes Jesus, what now? There we go. Better? Sometimes, oh yeah, thanks for turning those lights on there on the, we do this one here too. I can see people's faces better and I, I feel like I can, you know, see you. Sometimes Jesus' words were statements that were perceived as a paradox. You know, you know what a paradox is. At first glance, words that seem self-contradictory. Here's some examples. I'm deeply, I'm a deeply superficial person. The future ain't what it used to be. Always be sincere even when you don't mean it. I distinctly remember forgetting that. And some would perceive Jesus. These are not Jesus' statements. These are just examples. That There's an example of a paradox. Some would actually perceive Jesus' statements as not so much a paradox, more of an oxymoron. That's a figure of speech which has contradictory terms. Here's some examples. Found missing, jumbo shrimp, original copy, clearly misunderstood, pretty ugly, deafening silence, same difference, civil war. So Jesus says, blessed are those who mourn. Now that seems contradictory, doesn't it? Filled with inner joy are those who are grief-stricken. Wait, what? Oh, where the blessing is, those who are blessed are those who are being ripped apart with sadness. <laughs> I told you last week that one of my heroes in the faith stood up at the end of preaching a series through the Sermon on the Mount. And all he did was quote Matthew 5, 6, and 7. And as he was leaving, there was a man in front of him that was carrying his daughter. And his daughter said out loud, not knowing the preacher that just preached that sermon by quoting those three chapters was right behind him. She said, I wonder why he doesn't preach that way every time. It's just so much easier to understand when he does it that way. Kids get Jesus. They asked some children to explain this verse where kids were asked, blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Here's some of the answers. Little Brittany, age six, said, it means if you cry, it will get better. Todd, age nine, said, this verse means to pray for those who are sad, try to help them to take their mind off it, invite them over to spend the night or to a water park. <laughs> Sean, age 10, said, Blessed are those who mourn means that God blesses those who have a tender heart. Avery, age 11, said, This means that those who feel sorry and awful for what they did wrong will be comforted by God. I believe the theologian just spoke. I can pour up my notes, put up my notes, and we can all sing the closing song and go home. We've heard what we needed to hear today. Kids get Jesus. Just last week, we looked at Jesus' first words from this infamous sermon. We saw that the kingdom of heaven belongs to spiritually paralyzed beggars 
unable to do anything for their own souls. Humility was the word. But acknowledging our spiritual poverty is one thing. To grieve and mourn over it, well, that's another. Jesus again pulls back the curtain on his view as opposed to the world's view. Think about it. Does a joyful mourner (laughs) make sense to the world? Well, no. Our culture pities those who are grieving and sends them a quick note or flowers, and we kind of hope that they just move on, don't we? But Jesus never rushed through grief. He never rushed anybody else through it. He never told them to hush from their crying. In fact, at times, he stopped and actually cried with them. You remember his close connection with Lazarus and Mary and Martha from the same family, brother and sisters? Lazarus passed away. Word was sent to Jesus. Jesus purposefully waits a few days. He shows up after Lazarus has already been buried. Jesus knows what he's going to do. He's about to change their entire, he's really about to change Lazarus' world, but he's about to really change the sisters. I mean, they're going to be hugging their brother here pretty quick. But when Jesus shows up and he sees how ripped apart Mary and Martha are, he doesn't just move past their grief and say, watch this. No, 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 no. He hurts with them. The scripture says that he wept. The Greek word there is a very, very, he really cried with them. Knowing he was about to raise their brother from the dead, he still stopped and just, he just said, oh, Mary, Mark, come here. And seeing them hurt, he hurt. Brian Zand in his book, Beauty Will Save the World, said this. Look at this quote. We have an immature obsession with being happy all the time. It's in our culture. It seeps into our churches, and it's not healthy. I think sometimes we're trying to replace the symbol of the cross with a smiley face. I think he's on to something. Because because we are comfortable, rather, because we are most uncomfortable with sorrow, we can passively enforce a kind of mandated happiness in our gatherings. How are you doing? And you're being ripped up on the inside. But what do we say? I'm okay. I'm fine. And if we say anything other than that, boy, we're kind of, we're kind of held at arm's length. Because the world doesn't want to spend any time grieving, that practice can easily slip into we, the followers of Christ. John Stott explains it. Look at this theologian. As much as the thought of being poor in spirit is diametrically opposed to the wisdom of our day, so is the thought that happiness could be connected to mourning. And that's because the world tries to avoid mourning. Everything the world offers is designed to promote happiness, yet the world says blessed, that is, those who are privileged recipients of God's divine favor, blessed are those who mourn. Jesus actually sees the benefit of us feeling the full and devastating weight of our sin. And it's like he wants us to develop this holy hatred for it and really grieve it. Look again at the difference between where the world views this and Jesus' view. The world says, 
Minimize your sin. Call it a mistake. A lapse in judgment. Whatever you do, don't let guilt have any place in your life. And Jesus, in opposition, says, Mourn over your sin. Let the guilt and the pain of sin produce a change. Feel free to grieve, mourn, and wail in areas of your heart, soul, mind, and body that are not aligned with God's design. Let your sin break your heart. (laughs) And watch what God would do. Maybe it would be helpful to stop right here in the sermon and make sure that we really understand this term that Jesus is using, this mourn, M-O-U-R-N. In the Greek language, they have so many legs up on us in our English language because just for that word mourn, do you know how many words they have in the Greek language? Nine. Nine different words. And the one that is the most intense, number nine, the one is the farthest that you could feel, that's the one that Jesus uses here. So Jesus says, I want you to really, really grieve. It's the heaviest word for mourning, a passionate lament, a sorrow of brokenness, an ache in the soul, an anguish of mind. You get the idea. This isn't sadness over your football team losing yesterday. <laughs> I mean, that, that's number one on the list of nine. <laughs> we grieved a little bit, but that's not the word Jesus is using here. This is suffering caused from death and separation. This is the shame caused from selfish selfish acts of passion and pride, greed. This is the guilt caused from sinful behavior. And basically, this kind of mourning falls into three general categories. I mourn for my own personal loss. I mourn when you suffer personal loss. And we all mourn for our sinfulness. Most important to notice here is something that is so consistent in Jesus. He's always striking this perfect balance. Is there a place to mourn over sin? Absolutely. Is there equally a place to receive comfort? Most assuredly. To emphasize mourning over sin more than receiving comfort is to miss the truth. Jesus was full of grace and truth. Mourning and comfort are designed by God to to work in tandem. Never does God wrapping his arms of love around us mean more than when we are mourning over our own sinfulness. Let these words again from stop sink in deeply. Look at this. Such mourners who bewail their own sinfulness, will be comforted by the only comfort which can relieve their distress, namely the free forgiveness God. The greatest of all comfort is the absolution pronounced upon every contrite mourning sinner. So, what keeps us from mourning? Well, I think sometimes we believe that the shame that will be discovered, will be unbearable. Funny thing here, unconfessed sin is more unbearable than being found out. 
I think another reason we avoid mourning is because our aversion to pain, either our own or that of others. And you all, I guess I really just want to put this statement. This might seem kind of brutal at first, but I just, I just want you to know that I think not wanting to hurt with someone who is hurting may be one of life's most selfish desires. There's such a self-protection in not wanting to hurt, and I get that. But if you see somebody hurting and you refuse to enter into that with them, come on now. We're bigger than that. Did you know that when you help bear somebody's burden, the load is actually lightened? That's the whole thing. It's a, you're both lifting it now. Did you know that when you embrace the pain of loss for yourself or with others who are going through something, that relief is actually available? Isn't lightening loads and finding relief worth it? Gerald Sitzer wrote, the quickest way for anyone to reach the sun and the light of day is not to run west, chasing after the setting sun, but to head east, plunging into the darkness until one comes to the sunshine. An ancient Arab proverb, all sunshine makes desert. <laughs> Jesus is teaching us that tears of mourning can bring much needed refreshment to the soul. So here's a modern day paraphrase to Matthew 5.4. This might help. Oh, the happiness of the person whose heart is broken due to his own sin as well as the loss of a loved one and the suffering of the world. For out of his or her deeply felt sorrow will come the joy that only God can grant both in the here and the hereafter. As always, I so appreciate Locato's take. Look what he writes. As long as Jesus is one of many options, he is no option. As long as you can carry your burdens alone, you don't need a burden bearer. As long as your situation brings you no grief, you will receive no comfort. And as long as you can take him or leave him, you might as well leave him because he won't be taken half-heartedly. But when you mourn, when you get to the point of sorrow for your sins, when you admit that you have no other option but to cast all your cares on him, and when there is truly no other name that you can call, then cast all your cares on him, for he is waiting in the midst of the storm. Think about the church that Jesus started. It was made up of the society outcasts, the fornicators and prostitutes and drunkards and adulterers and cheating tax collectors and uneducated fishermen, despised Samaritans and the like. In this church, the people were aware of their own spiritual condition. And this people, filled with sorrow over their own sin, began growing. You see, what happened was, it was one spiritual beggar telling other spiritual beggars where to find food. A story is told of a capable evangelist in Britain. 
after a time, he lost his interest in spiritual things for whatever reasons, drifted into a life of sin. Some of his sin was done in secret, but unaware to him, some of it was known. And after a season of going his own way, he came to his senses and, like the prodigal son, returned to God. He again discovered forgiveness and healing. Years passed. He felt that inner burning to preach again. So he took to the pulpit and started sharing truth. It seemed his past was buried and forgotten, but one night, just as he was about to stand up for a revival meeting, he was handed a sealed letter. It was unsigned. He opened it and read an accurate account of shameful things that he had done, and his stomach churned as he read it, and the letter ended, if you have the gall to preach tonight, I'll stand and expose you. Well, he took that letter and went over to the corner by himself and got on his knees. And the next thing you know, a few minutes had gone by and he was standing in the pulpit for that night's sermon. And he pulled out that letter and opened it up and that's how he began his sermon, reading it from start to finish. And he followed that by saying, I want to make it clear that this letter is perfectly true. I'm ashamed of what I've read and what I've done. I come tonight not as one who is perfect, but as one who is forgiven. We're told that night that people responded in great numbers to the gospel. In fact, that letter would be used many times in the future as a magnet to draw people to the truth of Jesus. So what's the point? You got it. Last week, Libby stood up here right before we broke bread. She said something about the cracker, but then she held up that little cup, and I told her this. I said, it just nailed me to the wall. And she looked at us, eye to ball to eye ball, and just said, come taste the bread. And we all just threw it back, and we just realized it was that blood. It's that, it's that grace. Mourn over your sin? Oh, yes, yes. Don't minimize it. But taste the grace and find comfort? Oh, my, yes. Father, we are an unbalanced people. We, we tend to either drive too far to the right or too far to the left. And striking that balance is just, it's difficult for us. And when we hear your words, we want to focus on one part. We want to either focus on mourning over the sin or we want to focus on receiving the comfort but we we struggle to to come down in the middle would you change us would you help us feel what you feel when we step out of your way and your design and would you also remind us that we can never outrun the outstretched arm of the Lord May we receive comfort. Speak to us as we sing in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, let's stand together.